Hello and welcome, as always, to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who doesn't know anything about anime, Malcolm McLeod. And today, we've got another special guest. As always, uh, our special guest is Ty Babbage. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So, uh, so Ty, uh, why, why not uh, tell the audience uh, a little bit about yourself? Uh, wow. Okay. Um, I Really on the spot there, Jack. I love Sorry, it. Uh, <laughs> You've already um, thrown the guest under the bus. Yeah, We're already, like 30 seconds in, Jack. What do you want the audience to know about you? Uh, know, are you uh, related? I actually have a question. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we just watched five episodes of the, uh, Cowboy Bebop, which is today's episode. Does that mean that someone can finally say that we were binging with Bobbish? I don't know you? what that means. No, you don't know either. the YouTube channel Binging with Bobbish? Never heard of it. Are you no. kidding me right now? Like, um, <laughs> it's a okay. So it's a popular YouTube channel. It's got like ten million subscribers, and like it's a like cooking uh, show where the guy goes and he recreates culinary dishes on um like from based on like like in movies and television shows like he recently as of this recording did like sloppy steaks which is like a reference to a sketch in the second season of i think you should leave so wait you because your last name is babish that's never come up like no one's been like i've honestly said i've never heard that in my entire life i was so excited there for a moment (laughs) sorry to disappoint that's not a good start no Um, i mean it's fine i mean this is it's a good it shows that like I've spent a good chunk of this uh, quarantine in a like um, YouTube rabbit hole, <laughs> and maybe yeah, I'm... very, very fair, very fair. What is uh, so? I guess yeah, Tyler, Ty, yeah, Ty, Ty, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's not Ty's not short for Tyler. No, just Ty, just two letters. Oh, that's Simple. awesome. That's Thank sweet. You. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So, Ty, like, I guess I'll instead of asking, <laughs> doing what Jack just did, which was ask you explain who you are as a person yeah. <laughs> to your core. Yeah. Uh, do you, what's your anime background? Because, like, my anime background is non-existent <laughs> outside yeah, of this no, podcast. So, what about my, you? My anime background goes for. I mean, it's Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z, Yu Gi Oh. Uh, I don't know if Digimon counts. Digimon is anime. Yeah, Beyblade. Yep. And then the the five episodes of Cowboy Bebop. That's as far as it goes. Nice. That's that's a good start. You 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 had your children shows, and now you've all of a sudden worked your way up to this very uh, bloody 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 um, crap show. Yeah, I have seen some movies too. Like I like Spirited Away is pretty phenomenal. Oh yeah. Uh, and I I don't want to butcher the name, so I won't say him. But there's a a castle that floats in one. Oh, Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. So the Gypsies. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a perfectly uh, fine anime background. Awesome. Well, good. Yeah. Those are two yeah. movies I haven't seen yet. So. We, oh, they haven't <laughs> talked to them yet. We've we've seen some Ghiblis. We just haven't seen those Ghiblis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, let's uh. So wait, let's let me uh, before we get into the history of the show. So we're talking Cowboy Bebop, uh, the first five episodes, and I should say also, uh, dear listener, uh, I said this before on the um previous episode, the Millennium Actress one, but in case you didn't listen to that one, uh, how dare you? Because that movie is uh, phenomenal. But anyways, um, we we are going to be doing the entirety of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, we're gonna this is this is yet another mini series in the vein of what we did with Dragon Ball Z way back when. Um, but instead of just being six straight weeks of Cowboy Bebop, we're going to, you know, we want to pace ourselves. So one week we'll do Cowboy Bebop. The following week we'll do a, another standalone show back to Cowboy Bebop and so on and so forth. So, 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll be honest. I knew that Cowboy Bebop was apparently a very good show. Like, it's something that, like, people have always raved about that, like, who've watched anime. They're always like, well, if you're going to watch one anime, you got to watch Cowboy Bebop. And in some ways, like, it almost feels like like this is the beginning of the end of the podcast because we're, like, at this point. Um, but what I knew about it, and I really didn't know anything about it, I knew it was sort of like a space westerny thing. Kind of like, and that's not really what this is, but um, but I someone once told me there was a lot of jazz in it, so I just assumed that this was a space jazz show that had more jazz in it than it actually does, at least in those first five episodes. So I was just I was expecting more jazz. Were you expecting it to be a show about a jazz band, a jazz band in space? Honestly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why is it called Cowboy Bebop? It's about a jazz band in space. Well, you did think Akira was about, like, a motorcycle race. I really did. I mean, it it should have been. But, I mean, it's a much better movie than what I thought it was going to be. I basically thought it was going to be Redline. Yeah, and Redline is awesome in its own way. Um, So, anyways, Ty, did you you know anything about Cowboy Bebop going in? Had Had you heard of the show before I told you to watch it? I knew absolutely nothing. I honestly thought it was going to be about cowboys, but I was wrong. <laughs> well, space so. cowboys, though. They're space cowboys. They're, yeah, they're... yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but I, I, I expected like Western, like horses, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. I got something completely different. Exactly. So, all right. So I guess it's to the history segment and uh, let's let's get into it. So we've talked about Shinichiro Watanabe before on this podcast. First, when we covered Carol and Tuesday way back then. And then when we did Samurai Shampoo, uh, do you remember either of those shows, Malcolm? Uh, it's been like a year since we talked about Carol and Tuesday. I like Carol and Tuesday. I think that was the first show we covered that I was like, oh, this was actually uh, pretty good and like surprised me. Yeah. And that show is even like set in the same world as Cowboy Bebop, technically. It's like set on Mars, just like Cowboy Bebop uh, has its Mars. But they're not the same Mars. Well, they're, they're the same Mars, but you're not going to see any intersection. I can tell you that. They, yeah. it's, it's the same Mars, but you're just not. There's no character crossover. But it's so, still kind of his world. Okay, so it's like one of, it's like a Stephen King thing where it's just like, it's set, they're all kind of in Maine, but they're never going to really cross, like all of his characters. That's a perfect uh, way of putting it. Okay, I kind of like that. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, so he was coming off the success of the 1994 original video animation, Macross Plus, which was also kind of a Gundam-like show, you know, people, people in, uh, mech suits or fighter pilots, that kind of thing. And he was co-director on it. And Macross Plus was a fantastically animated, uh, original video animation. It was kind of like a four-part thing that then they also squished those four parts into a movie. Very confusing thing, but the, it, it, it's a, it's a good work and it has kind of a signature flair. So it's a big hit, and he is given his own TV show as a result. And he was given a single instruction. Uh, so long as there's spaceships in it, you can do whatever you want. And uh, Malcolm, we love it when uh, when, Jap- when uh, anime studios give their directors very little instruction except for one arbitrary rule. We, we've seen this happen a couple times on this podcast, haven't we? Uh, well, I, I need a refresher. Which ones? Uh, well, I think I was... Perfect Blue was the one where, you know... Um, Satoshi Kon was basically just said, you can take the novel, but as long as it has three aspects, you can just do whatever the fuck you want. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do like that. I like that thing of just like, here's a couple of ground rules and go crazy. Yeah. And uh, they ended up getting more more than they bargained for. Uh, The first four episodes of Bebop were produced 
and the heads of Bandai Namco weren't happy at all with what they got, and they actually dropped it. And then thankfully, Bandai Visual stepped in and rescued the project, and also dropped the request of requiring that the show be a toy commercial. It was a oh, because it was a toy commercial at one point. They wanted they wanted spaceships. They were just like, we need spaceships to sell to the kids. <laughs> of course, it was just like, funny because this is not a kid show. This is not a kid show at all. This is not even really a. I guess it would appeal to teens, but it, for its time slot, it was very adult. And uh, Watanabe, he wanted the series to be episodic from the get-go and to reinforce the freshness of each episode, he enlisted different staff members for each episode. So screenwriter Kiki Noko, Keiko Nobumoto, who wrote the screenplay to Watanabe's Macross Plus, was there to keep the series in line. And Watanabe said his collaboration with Nobumoto was 10% brainstorming ideas and 90% talking about whatever. Uh, so she wasn't the only writer on the show, however, with a number of people who hadn't even written scripts before ending up contributing to the show. And Nobumoto would go on to create her own series, Wolf's Reign, as well as write the screenplay. I love, I love this Malcolm because we've get, we're getting some crossover here. She wrote the screenplay to Satoshi Kon's Tokyo Godfathers and then returned to working with Watanabe on his show Samurai Shampoo, Space Dandy, and Carol on Tuesday. So... Nobumoto, she, she's been around the industry. She's worked with a lot of awesome people. I, I love it when we're able to have crossover. So, so for those of you who listen to Millennium Actress and are excited for us covering Tokyo Godfathers, well, there's a Cowboy Bebop connection there, which is pretty awesome. All right. That's kind of cool. I didn't even, you know, didn't think of that kind of connection would happen. But I guess it makes sense. This is a TV show, so it would have multiple writers on it. Yeah. And again, he was just literally just like one, one, one person who contributed uh, – uh, lines in the script was a producer another person was like an animator and who had never written the script before he was just like yep just go wild so music for the series was composed by yoko kano she formed a band called the seatbelts to produce the music and kano has said that the music for the series was composed before most of the characters story and animation had been finalized and watanabe said he took inspiration from kano's music and even created entirely new scenes for the show after listening to it and this would then inspire kano and she would end up creating even more music. And Watanabe said, some songs in the second half of the series, we didn't even ask her for those songs. She just made them and brought them to us. Seven original albums have been released from the Seatbelt's work on Cowboy Bebop in addition to two singles, live recordings, and compilation albums. Uh, the music in the series is fantastic. You can listen to it all on Spotify. I've been listening to it nonstop uh, for the past month or so on my walks. It's great. I mean, what, what did you guys just like, your, your initial thoughts on the soundtrack to the show? Um, honestly, I, I love the name The Seatbelts for a band, first off. That's quite amazing to me. Um, I actually really like the soundtrack. It is very jazzy and very, it kind of gets you more into the show. I actually really enjoyed it. And there's a lot of different styles, too. I mean, we, we, see, we see a bit of that, especially in Episode 5 with what they do. Um, but you're going to see a lot of uh, different styles come up in, as the show kind of bounces between genres. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I it's very 90s. Like it's a very 90s music. Like it's it feels very like defining of that era, like late 90s early 2000s. But yeah, again, I think because I went into this thinking about oh, like there's going to be like this like, you know, more jazz, like treme style like New Orleans jazz is what I thought. Uh to not have it, it was like, okay, um, this is just this is different. It's not bad. It's just not what I was expecting. And so I feel like I'm just like, you know, 
processing what I watched. Because <laughs> I watched, it's a lot. Like, this is a lot to take in. This show has got a lot going on. Uh, we haven't even begun to even, you know, touch upon just the wild five episodes we watched. So let's talk about when it premiered. So Cowboy Bebop, it debuted on TV Tokyo on April 3rd, 1998. Uh, but here's the thing. Due to the show's violence, only episodes 2, 3, 7 to 15, 18, and a special aired. I get that- it. I mean, the first episode uh, ends with that girl... Uh, killing the boyfriend. You just see the blood splattered on like the inside of the space windshield. And I'm like, I think if you're going like thinking, because this is again before like, you know, that adult swim, like, you know, at more adult, you know, animated shows. Like, I think that trend is, you know, really started to, you know, popping off, you know, about 2005, 2006, I would say, is when it started really like, oh, People who've grown up on these shows are now adults and they still want to engage with these kinds of shows, but they don't want to watch like the kids' versions. They want to see a more grown up version. But yeah, I get like not knowing what to do with it is also like, oh, like this is, these are dark moments. And it's not just dark for like, you know, like a movie. Like it's a kind of dark for any television being produced at that point. Like at, we're at like 98, you know, we're just, I think we're getting in the beginning of The Sopranos. I think the darkest show on television was like NYPD Blue and like Oz, the prison show. Like, I think that was it. <laughs> so like, obviously these were pioneers in like a new age of television. Oh, there's, there were plenty of violent anime films. Obviously we watched Akira, which is, you know, pretty fucked up and still gives me, me nightmares occasionally. But again, yeah, that, that but I think that's, but yeah, but that's a film. And I think people have like, you know, the idea of film moving towards television wasn't a thing yet so it was just like yeah you can slap an r rating on akira and people will be like oh that's for adults but it's harder when it's like television and it's like oh you you know you transition from you know one one show to the other and one show is going to be you know wildly less violent than this but now it's almost funny when you say it because like obviously on television shows nowadays we see a lot of this stuff happen anyways and there's certain moments that are pretty tame compared to others like just in the pantheon of television since 98 but uh i digress yeah so anyways it did finally have its uh full run on october 24th in 1998 on the satellite network wow wow so i i don't know what either of those mean i don't know what satellite network means and uh wow wow is a, not a network i've never heard of but uh it later made its u.s premiere on tsunami on september 2nd 2001 so you know only only 10 days before the world would change uh maybe not the best timing but either way it was hugely successful in the west and tsunami would end up broadcasting it repeatedly for four years straight despite the fact that there are only 26 episodes wait you say four years straight four years straight they just broadcast all those 26 episodes straight they did not like you know put it in once in the fall or put it once in the winter they just broadcast it through four years straight yeah is is there a reason why there was only one season if it was so so successful i mean that it would make sense to do more but i I guess so watanabe said in an interview he did not want the show to become star trek (laughs) he uh there is a definitive and there's a definitive ending to the show i don't want to talk about it too much because we are going to cover it eventually um but yeah he there is a and you can even get hints of the ending in uh, episode five when we talk about that um but yeah there is a definitive story being told in this and uh there is a movie uh cowboy bebop knocking on heaven's door 
uh, came out a little bit later. And that movie takes place before the end of the series because of how the show ends. It doesn't really lend itself well to a continuation. Well, there's, there's, that's a little bit of a tease for you. But yeah, like even people on his staff were just like, seriously, like you're just going to end it after 26. And he's like, yep, I'm good. You're the boss, right? That's what you got to do. You're the boss. And yeah. I, I, I love these auteurs, these guys who are just like, yep, I'm just going to make something different. I don't really care if it's not any more successful. Uh, and Watanabe is, of course, you know, still consistently worked. And, you know, I guess the other big thing is that uh, net, a couple of years ago, Netflix finally announced that they would do a live action Cowboy Bebop. Uh, starring John Cho as Spike. Uh, it was supposed to come out uh, quite a while ago, but then John Cho broke his ankle while filming, and then right as he recovered, uh, COVID happened. Uh, awesome. So, so just a bunch of delays. Um, and, you know, Netflix Netflix adaptation doesn't always inspire people uh, with the most positivity, given their track record. But I'm hopeful about this, especially because Yoko Kano is returning as composer. Uh, the other people uh, cast as characters. I'm pretty happy with those casting choices. Uh, did either of you watch uh, Luke Cage season two? I did, yes. Yeah, so Mustafa Shakir is playing Jet. Okay. He played uh, Bushwhacker or whatever his name, Bushmaster. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. Okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I only yeah. watched the first season of Luke Cage, so I don't, I didn't see the the second oh, half yeah. of it. Honestly, the only thing that I like in uh, for the live action show that's kind of surprising is that Spike feels like a younger character. So it's a little surprising that like uh, John Cho, who's almost 50, is playing Spike in the show. Well, um, he's actually older. He's actually like four years older than the guy playing Jet, too, which is weird. Oh, yeah, weird. Jet, yeah. Jet's, the, Jet's the guy with the, the robotic arm, right? That's yeah. That's yeah, that is that is strange. Because yeah, because Spike seems like he's like a twenty year old kid in the show. They went with John Cho, so I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I like John Cho. I don't th- has he even like led a series on his own before? He's you know he's been the lead in a couple of movies, but he's um, had yeah he's been the lead. He was the lead of a show called Selfie a few years ago. Oh, okay, I never watched um, it. He did, and then he also was a, a lead on the show uh, Go On. Or no, I don't know if he was the lead on that. I think he was uh, the guy, the the co-star because that was a Matthew Bro, uh, not Matthew Broderick, a Matthew Perry show. Um, Never watched. So yeah, it. no, I don't think he's gotten really been given the main role, like the headlining, like number one billing. So I mean, it's good that he's getting that now. Um, too long overdue, but also, I mean, he spent a lot of years being the lead in films, so good on him for that. I'm intrigued by the show. I mean, as of this recording, there isn't even a trailer. The reason why we actually accelerated doing this podcast for Bebop is because they're like, yep, it's launching in the fall. So I'm just like, Malcolm, let's just nip this in the bud and get this in the fall. Uh, and we will definitely cover the live action show. Maybe not in its entirety, but we'll definitely touch on it uh, to give our thoughts on how we feel this compares. But uh, Netflix has not even given us a trailer. Uh, Netflix is really last minute when it comes to their marketing for their shows. Uh, I wish they would give Bebop a bit more of its due. Hopefully they don't dump it and make it a one-season wonder, but it's Netflix, so who knows at this point. First images. Um, again, we just see Spike. He's smoking a cigarette in the rain, and it's cutting between a rose and Spike gutting down dudes while a music box plays. What did you guys uh, think of that opening uh, little scene? How did, how did that make you guys feel? Uh, to be honest, I didn't really understand it. Uh, obviously, it's, it, <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. something you understand on first view, and I'll tell you that. Yeah, I was. Yeah, little, I didn't get it either. Confused. 
Yeah, yeah I didn't get it either. Flowers and bullets and rain and puddles and yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it was made more sense after you watch the episodes, obviously. But yeah, the first first time watching it, I don't think I knew what was going on. Yeah, fair enough. It it makes probably even a bit more sense even just after watching episode five, where you kind of see the context of it all. Oh yeah, it really did. Yeah, after that one for sure. I will say this, sorry guys, that when when I first turned it on, like the opening, you know, credit showing everybody's names and stuff like that, it, it reminded me of of Tintin. I don't know. Tintin. That, I know. Yeah. I know what you mean by Tintin. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Like the music and the cuts and the squares and the colors and stuff like that, people running across. It reminded me like of a Tintin cartoon kind of opening. That's what it reminded me of. But then obviously, when you see the guns and the blood and the flowers, it's a that, little bit different than Tintin. But that opening is a lot. I think when Malcolm said the show is a lot, that opening is definitely a lot. Uh, the song is called Tank, and it, it's like it's got it's this jazzy riff, but it's also like got like James Bond elements with you know the girls in the shadows and stuff like that. It's kind of yeah. It's got like Archer. It's got like Men from Uncle kind of vibe to it. Like it's got a whole bunch of yeah. And I think that's the thing about Watanabe too. I wouldn't say he's inspired by Tarantino because I think he's like the same age. But I think their influences are pretty similar. I think you know they're both fans of like exploitation cinema. They grew up on similar things, and you know Tarantino himself loved Japanese film. So and it also like you know you know Tarantino did a film inspired by uh, the '60s film Django. And there actually is uh, an episode in this series that uh, does have a pretty, pretty um, strong Django reference to the original film, not the Jamie Foxx one. Okay. So wait, wait, when you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about like the Franco Nero uh, Django? Yeah, there's a, you, we'll I, get to it. I have I seen know. that. I will say I have seen that movie. So yeah, there, there's a pretty strong Django reference. Uh, that's just something to tease for the, for the listener uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, he actually beat uh, Tarantino to the punch when uh, tackling Django. Well, I mean, it's interesting because the Django that Tarantino created is really nothing like the... Uh... I guess he just liked the movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's also such a unique name that you're just like, well, if you can... Like, you can't just really throw in a Django uh, just randomly as a name. So it's like, oh, if you're going to do that, you got to you know make a reference to the classic Western slash turned into classic Tarantino film. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about that first episode, because this is definitely... This this episode is a bleak one to start with. Yeah, I... I <laughs> right? It, that was the one with the, uh, the eyeball drug, right? Yeah, the eyeball drug, the bloody yeah. eye drug. Yeah, I mean, I again, coming into this, <laughs> not knowing what it was, and having some guy rampaging through the streets of Mars or wherever he was putting stuff Tio, into Tio his Tijuana, the Tijuana Tio, there, there you go. Yeah, see, maybe I just wasn't paying. I, the eye stuff just threw me off for a loop, obviously. But yeah, it was uh, it was very strange episode to start off with. I was uh, very confused in the first one. I will say that. So, yeah, so this, well, the thing was with me was like, is this like a T... So is, is Tijuana... It's not... Tijuana, Mexico. It's like it's Tijuana. That's an asteroid Tijuana. colony, like which is which yeah. also kind of made it confusing. I was like, "What? They're like I, they're not on Earth?" Like, like. Oh um, yeah, I guess I guess you were thrown off even by that. You're like, "Wait, the show's in space." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, even me, I was not expecting that at all. All the space stuff, I was yeah, it was so different from what I expected. Like I said, cowboy stuff. I expected horses gunfire you know shootout saloons all that stuff i guess they kind of were in a saloon at we, we get a we get a saloon fight we get a saloon yeah. fight yeah that's true very true 
So just to clarify, because I know this is going to confuse Malcolm for many, many episodes, the Bebop is their main ship, like the big one that they live in. And then the smaller ship that Spike has is called the Swordfish. Like those, like this, the references are like weirdly enough. I was like picking up on them pretty easily, and I'm curious, like because you said uh, earlier, Ty, that you're like, oh, that you see saw shades of like Archer in this. I'm like, I can. I was starting to feel like, oh, I think I may have seen or like consumed media where like they've clearly become inspired by this show. Like if we're having, I'm having that weird reversal. It's like it's like. If you've never seen like Star Wars, which is overrated, um, or Lord of the Rings, which is trash, um, fuck you, Malcolm. This is why you didn't like slime. It's because you don't even like other good things. Yeah, well, slime was slime is beneath me. It's beneath everyone. I can't believe you insulted Lord of the Rings, man. You're just making yeah. people to, to get the knives. I'm, here, I'm ready to fight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to fucking. Fight. I was ready to be. I was ready to be on your team, Malcolm. But after you said Lord of the Rings sucks, I don't know, man. I was you about can, to hang, it's, hang it's up. It's a lot and... of walking. Everyone's gonna watch that new Amazon Listen. show in a year, and they're gonna be like, "That wasn't very good." And then they're gonna all be like, "Oh wait, oh no." It was never good all along. Like no, the it was Hobbit always was the no. true version of it. No, you know, we no. all just got enchanted by like, Listen, you know, Malcolm Peter he... Jackson. He put a spell on you, and then you're like, wait, but he's only made crap since then. He took the lovely bones and he made it boring, and and he's that's what's going on. Oh, they, we're keeping this in, uh, uh, you know. So like. I, what was I saying? I made a. I lost my mind there for a second. You did uh, because what you're saying is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's crazy. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll agree uh, with you on Star Wars a little bit. Okay. Like, obviously, the new stuff is is way more trash than the old stuff. I'll give you that, but I don't think anybody should say anything bad about Lord of the Rings. That's you, uh, can, you, you can bash Harry Potter, and I have it's three movies talk. of them walking. It's like... it, no, that's just a Kevin Smith joke. You're not even being original. That's just from Clerks Two, which is a bad movie. Clerks Two, yeah. the movie where Kevin Smith makes an N-word joke. Cancel Kevin Smith. <laughs> Ca- cancel Kevin Smith, man. I pretty yeah, nice. I agree he's with trash talking Lord of the Rings. Oh god. Yeah, yeah you can't trash talk Lord of the Rings. I've, I'll be honest, I've never been able to successfully stay awake watching any of the Lord of the Rings movies. Really? I I, I watched like the four and a half hour director cut extended version, like me and my friends, we do that like once a year. We'll meet up and we'll watch all the extended versions of The Lord of the Rings. We won't do anything for the rest of the day. You pull the blinds down, you sit there in the dark, and you just absorb what is Middle Earth. That's pretty yeah. much all you for do. Me, for me, my counter is who needs sleeping pills when you can put on that boar fest? And listen, there there is a Lord of the Rings anime feature film coming out that's been announced. So uh, I guess, Malcolm, you're you're going to be watching it at some point. This is what I'll I'll give you I'll give you a preview of the entire episode. Hey, so welcome back to this anime. Uh, we're watching Lord of the Rings. <gasps> oh, I just woke up. Uh, I guess Jack, you're so, gonna talk for ninety minutes. <laughs> so what what gets Spike uh, to finally take this bounty to take down Asimov is when Jet tells him they say they say in TJ the Carnitas are out of this world. So Spike's stomach is what persuades him to get the bounty. So we then cut to uh, we then cut to in this Tijuana saloon, space Tijuana, whatever you want to call it, uh, and and our man Asimov he says, "I got the vodka, but I'm fresh out of tomato juice." And this bartender says, "I'm sure there's one in the back room." And uh, Asimov is a drug addict. Uh, Bloody eye is this kind of like uh, spray that you spray into your eyes, and it's basically like cocaine for the eyes. I guess that's an accurate way of describing it. 
Yeah, Again, I don't know what drug it would be similar to. I've never seen guess, anything like it. I don't know. There, there's, there's like just a, a list of just like, oh, it's space drugs. Like it just, like because like there's the other one in like the episode where everyone's like mother, mother, um, where you know where there's like you know the virus that turns people into monkeys. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, so, so bloody eye Asimov, uh, the bar gets wrecked by a bunch of other goons, but thankfully for Asimov, this bloody eye, it speeds up Asimov's reflexes, you know, it, it turns him into like a video game character. He can just take down all these goons, uh, like nothing else. Asimov, I'm not going to lie. Asimov is probably one of my least favorite Cowboy Bebop characters in this whole entire show. I think he's pretty uninteresting. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed very just. Like he was just kind of there, and I don't know. Yeah, I guess it was the first episode too. I guess I still really didn't really understand what was going on. But yeah, in in the, all, all the five episodes I watched, he was the the least entertaining for me. Yeah, I, it, this is actually as much as I love the show. I think this episode, is, I'd probably put this episode among kind of the bottom. Uh, although there is still some really good stuff. I did love Spike's talk with the the. Uh, I guess he's not Native American because according to um according to Watanabe. America is uh, not the center of the world in this show. Uh, America has lost their power because he doesn't care for care for the country, at least as a political entity. I mean, that's not a bad take to take in the future, which is just like, I mean, we're already kind of seeing it now, not to get too political, which is just like, you know, I think America is losing its foothold as like a moral, you know, leader. Because there's just so many crazy things that are coming out of that country. We are just I mean, like, what is going on? Like, you guys, like, you know, have to, you know, there's like 60% of like the Southern state, like Republicans in the South want to secede, which is the most un-American thing you can do, which is to leave America. So anyways, this, this uh, you know, Native, let's, let's call him Native American for the sake of clarity, this Native American uh, mystic. And he tells Spike, uh, the red-eyed coyote will appear on the Zona Norte in the far end of town. And the swimming bird will meet a woman. The bird will be hunted by this woman and then death. And then uh, Spike, he says, I was killed once before by a woman. And then uh, our, our Native American friend says something that's going to gonna definitely uh, uh, reoccur in this show. You take women too lightly, my friend. So that, that's a little hint of things to come. And I think we even see it in the next couple episodes down the road. Spike Spike takes women a bit too lightly. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like, I do like that, <clears throat> you know, they're, especially when you introduce to Faye. Um, yeah. Where it's like, it becomes very clear that, oh, like, you know, Faye's not just going to be like a one-off character. And the fact that they're just like, well, we'll just like tie Faye and put her in this bathroom. It's sort of like, oh, that really downplays what Faye could be doing, which is she's doing a lot in there. She's doing a lot in there. Um, I, I love the fact that, you know, again, like um, Spike is just the kind of guy who, you know, who, who goes up to Native American mystics. I like how that's one of his sources of information. It just makes him kind of come across as a more interesting, uh, more worldly character, if you know what I mean. He doesn't. That's that's the only episode where he goes and talks to him, right? Yeah, we're, 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 we're going to see him pop up a couple more times in the show. Oh, OK. So that. later on. OK. Yeah. Yeah. And he just goes there just to get like like his his future his told or yeah I mean he, he yeah okay goes to a mystic and to be fair the mystic uh, is one hundred percent accurate 
Yeah, no, no, it, it is for sure. I was, I was just wondering if he like that. That guy's a main character, or if he doesn't. I, come I wouldn't back call him. Or... I wouldn't call him the main character, but he does reoccur in the show in in various episodes. Okay, interesting. Okay. Yeah, uh, we get to see Jet. He knocks out some goons who are investigating the bar. Uh, I I love how you get to see Jet be a badass, and you know that Jeff isn't just like uh, that. Jet isn't just like a cook. He he, he takes down the goons uh, pretty easily, and he even like puts like a, a a smash bottle to one of the guy's eye, and you're like, okay, this this dude knows how to fuck people up. Yeah, I thought he was just gonna be the old guy that sits on the ship and just kind of just chirps Spike yeah, once in a while. He's, he's yeah. just like Alfred. In the Batman movies or something, he's that's like, oh. a, yeah, that's a great reference. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly who I thought he was going to be. No, Jet Jet gets around, and Jet's a cool dude. Like again, I, it's going to be interesting watching that live action show because again, like you know, a Spike who is older. Although I guess maybe John Cho would, would maybe look a bit younger. I have no idea how they're going to play that, but I mean, he does kind of look. He looks pretty young for fifty. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he might be able to get away with, like, in his late 30s, which could, like, make some sense. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. I mean, we haven't seen any footage from the show, so we have no idea, like, how no it's going to play. If it's going to be one of those things where you're like, oh, that was miscast. Like, John Cho should have not been cast. They should have, you know, hired someone, you know, younger. But until we we can't really comment. But, yeah, yeah but I think the, in these episodes, like, I didn't feel like Jet did a ton. Like, I mean, he's around and he's obviously important, but I'm mm. curious how, like, he evolves further. I mean, there's some funny yeah. gags with him, like him with the um, the tree and doing, like, you know, oh, trimming his the bonsai tree. tree. Yeah. The bonsai. Like, that was that really, was cool. like, those were fun yeah. cutaways. And, like, you know, obviously he's the cook. He's sort of this, like, everyman. You know, he's always like, oh, what about the money? Like, we need to, we need to pay our bills. Like, that stuff's fun. But, like, outside of that, for these five episodes, I didn't really feel like he did a ton. Fair enough. We, we we will get some jet episodes in time. I'll tell you that. Uh, Spike, he mm-hmm. runs into Asimov's uh, pregnant girlfriend. Uh, I didn't catch her name um, initially when watching the show, but her name is Katerina. Uh, and then, you know, you think she's pregnant until uh, until later on when you find out uh, that's yet another deception. Yeah, that was actually... Uh, yeah, 100% thought she was pregnant. And then, obviously... At the end of that episode, you get to see what's really in her stomach, but yeah, no, I mean that that to me is like one of the one of those like just brutal twists to that whole thing because you do want to believe that Katarina is like this you know good person and you know may maybe there is some good in this world in this show and that episode uh, does not does not instill you with the most hope. No, and I honestly thought she was going to be like after that episode they're like oh her and Spike are going to fall in love like literally that's all they yeah. Thought was- they're going to fall in love and they're going to be so happy and they're going to, you know, live happily ever after, obviously not the case, but no, she gets a brutal end. And I mean, yeah, yeah, I think, I think we can kind of move into this. I do love the confrontation where after like, you know, Spike, he has like his first kind of little fight with uh, Asimov. And then his second one, he's just wearing a sombrero and a poncho. Yes. Okay. So this, this is the one thing I don't understand. Yeah. Okay. So no, I, I, it has. I mean, it has to do with this episode, but it has to do with all five as well. I, Spike seems to be this amazing fighter. This, you know, he seems to always turn out to be in the right areas at the right times, and he always seems to beat the guys up and stuff like that. But he never seems to get paid. It just, yeah, I just find, <laughs> I find it so funny that he's just so good at everything, but it never seems to work out. I mean, yeah, that's just the fun of the show. The, yeah. the the characters are always hard on their luck. 
Yeah, no, I just find it really funny because, yeah, like he's just – he's good at fighting, beats everybody up. He laughs all the time. You know, he jokes with them while he's fighting them. And then they're all supposed to be these big badasses of Mars and the world at the time. or And then he just wipes the floor with them and then just never gets paid. I mean, he even saves the world a couple times, and uh, they still find a way to screw screw him out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the in the episode, in the episode, those those old guys that are sitting there, I thought those guys yeah. were pretty funny. They are they pretty always... funny, and uh, we see them again in uh, the Casino Planet episode. The uh, I think that's what episode that's episode three, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those guys, those guys made me laugh. Actually, those guys were were a good. I think I think we, before we move on, we should mention that the episode titles in the in this show are always awesome. Uh, the first episode, they're not even called episodes, they're called Sessions. Uh, and Session 1 is called Asteroid Blues. Yeah, I did like it because it's like Asteroid Blues, Stray Dog Strut for second episode, Honky yeah. Tonk Women, third, uh, Gateway Shuffle is the fourth, and then uh, the fifth one is uh, Ballad of Fallen Angels. Yeah. Which are again all like just yeah those are like great just episode titles. They are so they could all be show titles. Uh, maybe not honky talk women. I, I could uh, see. It. I, I watch a show called Honky Talk Women. It could be definitely be a website for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we we have this whole thing with um with Spike and Asimov. Asimov is uh, trying to get away. And then we get the reveal that of course uh, Katarina is not pregnant. Instead, her her pregnant belly is actually just her um, and all the bloody eye drug. Which again, brutal twist because you want to believe her and you're like, nope, she's she's. I wouldn't say she's just as bad as Asimov, but you know, she is still like a criminal drug dealer. And uh, you know, we have this like a uh, chase between uh, Spike's ship, uh, the Swordfish, and uh, oh, it's oh, I don't have the name for um, Asimov's ship. Again, they're they're not they're not trying to sell toys here anymore. Which is funny because this is episode one. This is episode one. It's supposed to be a toy commercial. I think the swordfish looks cool. I think the other ships I don't really have much of an affection for. I, I couldn't even tell you what the Bebop itself looks like. I know what the swordfish looks like. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, I just yeah. kind of pictured the Bebop being a more, um, just kind of more standard junk ship. Like, it's like something yeah. like you'd find at like, you know, oh, we're, you know, this is at the repo auction. And this is, you know, this is, you know, they bought it for a couple of, th- I actually didn't understand the currency in this. They're called because, Wulongs. They're called yeah, Wulongs. but I didn't understand their value because they're like, hey, she's got six million Wulongs, but it didn't feel like even if they like, you know, turned the person in. I think were, that was Mother was six million. Uh, if they or no, maybe that was Faye. If they turned Faye, and like that would change their life in any significant way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. was I the only one where I was just like, I think six million is like a pretty diluted number within the like oolong maybe it's uh, like currency. maybe it's more like maybe a maybe a woolong is like a cent so maybe like six million is like sixty thousand or something which i guess if you know you've got a spaceship sixty thousand probably isn't a ton yeah. yeah not a lot yeah i mean although it's funny because like we're in a world where there's space station or spaceships and they like you know and you have like mini spaceships and you can fly them around and yeah like in the first episode also in the second episode i think the second episode more um there's a lot of cars like they just like i thought we would have moved away from cars and they didn't move away from cars we didn't even get floating cars it's just like you get like you know this the spike little spaceship and you can run you know go across you know above traffic but at the same time 
you know, you have like cars, and that surprised me too. I don't know about you guys, there's, but there's a lot of ana- anachronistic uh, things in the show for sure. Some but things- I guess would we ever really like, even if we had like flying like personal jets and everything, would we really ever get away from cars? Like, I don't know if you would. Yeah, I don't know. I think you know, there's still la- land vehicles still have an importance, of course. Just imagine being stuck in like air traffic, where you're just like, oh god damn it. <laughs> You're like, you know, 50,000 or, you know, like you're 10,000 feet off the ground. You're like, I can't go under because of the of air laws. <laughs> so so basically what's happening is on top of uh, uh, Spike chasing them, there's also the ISSP, which are the inter, Intersolar Police. And they're also uh, trying to get uh, Asimov. And so Katerina, she, she makes the, a pretty bleak choice. She chooses to kill Asimov. And then we, we just see her and her ship just get pretty much turned into Swiss cheese by the ISSP. And Spike just watches. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that he didn't actually try to help in any sort of way. Than I mean, I guess just... there's not much he could do. It happens so yeah. quickly. Yeah, very true. I just thought maybe he'd make an effort because they kind of had that moment at the grocery chocolate bar kind of incident, but maybe not. It's a it's a bleak world out there, and it sets you up for the tone of the show. Which thankfully, this uh, episode two is a lot less bleak. We we episode two has a dog, and Malcolm, we just love dogs on this show, don't we? I mean, you do especially. Dog. Uh, I'm a I'm a sucker for a, for a, you know a dog. I thought this was a robot dog. I'm not gonna lie. I thought this dog was like you're gonna like you know you know boop his little uh, nose. And then it'd be like, oh, boop, boop, boop. And he would just, like, become, you know, some sort of more robot. But no, he's just, like, a really smart Welsh corgi. He's, he's, a, he's a data dog, which uh, I, re- I read some notes about Watanabe. He said he expected, uh, the, the dog's name is Ayn. He expected Ayn to play more of a role in multiple episodes, what with the fact that he's, like, a data dog. But it only happens in one other episode. What is a data dog? What does that mean? Why did like what you just said sounds crazy? Like what you just said out loud. It is, and I think Watanabe was like, "Shit, I don't really have much story potential." So he only uh, he only has Ayn's data dogness uh, play a role in one more episode, and that's it. So then he just becomes a, a normal dog. He's, he's just... just a normal dog. He's just the dog of the ship. Which fair yeah. enough. He's a very cute dog. Oh no! Yeah, I, I loved him being in it. I thought he was going to turn into some like bodybuilding mutant kind of thing <laughs> but like but he didn't and uh i mean and the other thing too that threw me off in that episode like i mean i don't know if you guys know basketball very well but the bad guy in it looked like kareem abdul jabbar I, I thought that too and yeah. i think the fact that he's called you know abdul abdul hakim i think that's a pretty blatant reference yeah and i was like i was so thrown off the whole episode i was like man he's gonna dunk on him or he's gonna start shooting threes or something like that and <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, that was one of the ones where I didn't focus so much on the episode. It was the it was the Abdul character and the Corgi. I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, and th- there's another thing in the show that kind of reoccurs: the fact that like Abdul Hakim, like his face isn't his original face. Plastic surgery in this show is just like really, really simple at this point. So maybe, yeah. I mean, I get yeah. <laughs> he just saw a picture of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I was like, that's who I want to be now. He's just like, I'm a fan of, of basketball players from 100 years ago or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I mean, you, people wouldn't remember him, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wait, yeah. 
Yeah, I guess he does. Yeah, kind of look like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back in like the Showtime Lakers era. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> which yeah, because yeah, because like yeah, because I was also thinking like Hakeem Olajuwon, but I guess that's like where the name comes from—the other like very famous ra- Rockets player in the '90s, um, Houston Rockets. But yeah, no, like I don't. Know, there was something like so funny. Also, that woman who ran that pet shop, or like yeah. I don't know, pet can can like what was it like a pet thrift store where it was just yeah. like you would come in and be like. Or not a pet uh, thrift store. What is it? Um, pawn shop. It felt like a pet pawn shop where you just like go in and you're like, I need some cash. Here's this dog I have. Um, you know, she also, I don't know about you. Her aesthetic looked like she was the Joker's mom. I could see that. Like everything <laughs> about it. She'd like green, like kind of green hair that like poofed out. White, white, like face makeup, big red lips, you know, just like multicolored shirt i was just like i couldn't um, stop thinking about it i was like this woman looks crazy and like the whole time she's like ah this corgi is what worth like 200 bucks maybe well, like she even, maybe she even says two wulong so that's even less oh sorry that's what he wanted he was like yeah. can i just get two 200 wulong just at minimum and she's like it's two which by the way Fuck you! Like dog, even like if this is said in the future, these dog like people will still love dogs. Everyone's loved dogs from the beginning. Like you can love cats too, Jack. I know you're a cat guy, yeah. but you can also love a dog, and you can really can like you know, and you know, corgis especially. Like I don't know, yeah. I have a couple of friends with corgis, and every time I like meet them, I'm, I'm like, man, if I like right now, I don't have a dog. I just I'm you know, I just don't see that uh, getting a dog in the near future but maybe in the future definitely and i feel like a corgi would be on the list and i would pay top dollar for a data dog especially um who i guess like what is a data dogs also only like they are activated by a whistle <laughs> that only they can hear well that's not even just the data dog that's just like regular dogs uh that which leads to a funny gag where, where I, so there's like so basically the the premise of this is like uh Hakeem has got this uh dog in a briefcase called um Ein and then three dudes in lab coats are also chasing after Hakeem and it's just you know and meanwhile Spike is also trying to get Hakeem in the bounty uh what, let's talk about also we get introduced to the uh the bounty show Big Shot which is which is a recurring thing in the show from now on uh what do you guys think of the uh Big Shot the Show, which is which is everyone's favorite uh, bounty hunter TV show. See, that's that's what I expected when I expected Cowboy Bebop as a show. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Like the rootin' tootin' shootin' cowboys and, you know, all that stuff. That's what I expected. So I actually thought it was pretty funny they added that in there. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the Big Shot, the Big Shot duo, and their name their name is uh or their names are Punch and Judy. Yeah, I, I thought it was a fun gag. And, like, yeah, I kind of like what Ty said. I kind of thought that would be more of the tone of the show. Like, I thought that was what we were going to see. Uh, but, obviously, the show that we got was pretty great, too. I mean, I feel like they did Judy a disservice where they, her, she, her tits are all basically out. Like, she's, oh. her, her, her shirt is, like, wide. She's, like, got to go a wide open button shirt and it's just like it's just covering her breasts <laughs> like it's a yeah. wild look it's like you know whereas uh punch uh you know full up you know cowboy outfit but i do like that it's like 
I don't know. It seemed like one part reality show, one part news show. Like I couldn't understand, like, I guess it's, you know, what it really was, like in terms of like what kind of show we're watching. Because it's not like a cop show where they're like bringing in the bad guys. It's or like, you know, any of that. It was just sort of like there's a 200K bounty on this uh, person. So you better go up and go get him. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong with it feels very much like a video game almost. It's like, hey, here's your objective. Uh, all, all you players, uh, go grab it. Yeah, that's actually a good way of seeing it. Like, I, kind of, there's like a video, a bit of a video game element to it, uh, which I liked. Like, I mean, I like I said, I'm not trashing this part because I thought it was actually pretty clever. And it was a nice way to get like exposition out there without it being boring. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I love Punch and Judy. They're they're great characters. I mean, it's not like you get a ton of characterization from them, but you like seeing them pop up and announce the bounty. So yeah, so Hakeem, he's got he's got this briefcase with the dog, um, but then but then his briefcase gets stolen, and this this whole episode is just like I don't know, is, is it a comedy of errors or what? Like everyone's trying to get the dog, and everyone's fucking up. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I wasn't so focused on like what was going on in the episode other than like I was just so intrigued by this Corgi and why everybody wanted him and what the whole situation kind of thing is. I mean, yeah, I actually I, I, I think this was one of the more fun episodes. Again, I wasn't paying attention to the actual depth of it, but yeah, no. And there, there's also a bird named Pico who, who Hakeem tries to. to Hakeem tries to buy, and then uh, what is it? He uh, he tell he tells the owner of Pico the bird. He tells you, "I'll pay you when I'm rich." And the guy says, "Oh, not again!" As if this guy has had multiple animals stolen from him before. Oh yeah, that was actually for the, that was. I thought that funny. was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, that was a good there's, part. There's a lot of people who get screwed over in the big chase sequence. Um, there's a wedding uh, between a man named Harold and someone else, and. Uh, Hakeem just takes uh, Harold's uh, like wedding car or whatever. Oh, see, I totally forgot about that part. You like because it was just like I, when they're I, driving I, on the road, you just see "just married" on the back and like yeah, you know, and those classic cans that are always being uh, dragged. After, I, after I don't that. get the can thing. Why is the why did the can thing? Why is the? I just assume it's a white trash thing. Like I just assume, I, I feel like well, you it's see like, it in the movies and like no one understands it. Yeah, like I like I understand like the you know why you do like you know a jump the broom, um, like especially at you know black weddings because there's like a very strong historical um, resonance to why you do that. But I do I do not understand the can thing. Like I feel like the can thing, like I said, white trash. Yeah, maybe I it's mean, just for noise, just to get attention. Be like, yeah, well, we just got married or something. That's. I think I think that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, just uh, look at us. The the lab coat guys are fucking weird. I love oh, how yeah. um they they have this device. Uh, they have they they decide to use this high pitched device to kind of attract all the dogs because they're like fuck it, we need to get the data dog. And one of the guys, the driver, is like, "It's too pitched, I can't hear it." And then they're just like, "Yeah, it's for animals, you can't hear it." And then he says, "I knew that. I was testing you." Yeah. <laughs> See, like, I forget. I'm, it's good that you're saying all this stuff because I forgot these parts and these parts. It was actually a pretty funny episode. Yeah, there's some just funny jokes of just like yeah. the incompetence of like the bad guys. It's like, yeah, um, well, I was testing you, bro. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I liked like also, uh, yeah, during the chase. I mean, at the very end, like I liked that the dog 
is able to like stop Abdul, just like start pressing buttons on the like yeah. the, on the uh, steering wheel. Which, by the way, I was just like, what do these buttons do? Because they're really affecting how the car drives. Um, it's not just like, oh, I'm just using the steering wheel to steer. Maybe maybe change the radio station. But uh, instead, it's just like, oh, he's gonna like you know distract and then basically jump out of the out of the car. And then like he falls off the bridge and Spike has to save him. And he just plops onto like the glass hood of Spike's like the seagull. He just like plops down. Like totally fine. I don't know. I just loved him. There's also a reference to Snoop Dogg in this. Uh during the phone conversation, Hakeem goes by the name Snoop, and this is an episode about dogs. So Oh, there you go. That's nice. That's nice. Um, oh. And um yeah, the outfit that Hakeem is wearing, yeah, it's definitely a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar reference because he's also like wearing clothes similar to his outfit in uh, Game of Death. And then Spike is also uh, playing around with nunchucks, which is uh, one of Bruce Lee's weapons. Oh, there you go. Oh, wow, look at all that. I, I finally watched uh, Game of Death, and that movie is uh, terrible because I didn't realize it's not really a, it doesn't really have much of Bruce Lee in it. It's only like 20 minutes of actual Lee footage, and the rest is just them just trying to cobble together a real movie and it's not a very good one it is one yeah. of the weirdest things i've ever seen anyways uh let's talk honky tonk women so we finally get our like third cast member we have yet to meet the fourth cast member of the show uh they're not gonna be around for until next week uh but we get Faye. and what do you guys think of Faye valentine uh I'll, I'll be honest this was my least favorite episode was this really? one. yeah um, i don't i'm love, i agree with ty on this one this one was just like very ma compared to like kind of the other four but i also understand why this had to be ma because i i didn't until like the end that we were being introduced to who you know of major character yeah fair enough yeah it just seemed like a like an introduction that's pretty much what it was yeah yeah i didn't even get the name of the 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 casino uh owner but his name is gordon which isn't even a very interesting name no, they just got just kind of mailed I, that one in just to introduce me, and they're like, "Let's move on." No, Gordon, but you know, I do like the idea of you know a casino satellite. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh yeah, no, the, the the casino was really cool. I just yeah, it just this was this for me. Like I said, was my least favorite. Just not a lot of action going on. I don't know. It just kind of seemed like it was so different from all the other ones we watched. I I can feel you. You know, I like the introduction with Faye where she does like one up the, the goons at first before they just surround her. Well, she's like tracking. She's she's in like this like herbal tea shop, and you know so, some goons are outside, and she actually does get the jump on them. But then like a bunch more just break out and like surround her. So we kind of get the idea that you know Faye is clever, but she also isn't like infallible. Yeah, and I honestly, but at the end of the episode, I didn't know that Faye was going to be a part of the show from because how every other episode goes, all like the main you know, the bad guys or whatever it is always end up just either dying or whatever yeah. happens to them kind of thing. So I actually thought she was just going to be, that's it. And we never see her again kind of thing. But, yeah. And she does get away. Yeah. Well, I think once that, the fact that she got away and there wasn't a definitive ending for her, that's what kind of clued me in that. I'm like, Oh, she's back. And also like they, they kind of give her like the opportunity to be like, Hey, like six, like she's disappointed that I think her bounty is what, like 6 million or like, whatever the amount is um oolong and so she's just like well why don't i just work with you instead like you know i'm already here so like let's work together instead of turning me in like what i have is more valuable 
And like, though I know that Spike and, you know, Jet, you know, have better morals than to do that. I do like that they're at least listening to her. And it is a good callback to what you said earlier, Jack, which was like, oh, hey, he, you know, just don't discount the women that show up because that's what you do, Spike. And she's definitely the prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Cool episode. Yeah. I think I, I think yeah. it's fair for us to criticize it because there's 26 of them. Not all of them are going to be bangers. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the, I love this show, but you know, I, th- I think we shouldn't be afraid to go negative when we can, especially since we're going to cover the entirety of it. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think it's impossible for any show to be like every episode was amazing. Like you've got very, very few of those kinds of shows. And so, like, this is not a bad episode, in my opinion. I just didn't think that in this batch, it was the strongest. I think it was the weakest of the batch. That still means that, like, we've covered shows where, like, this episode would have been the best, you know, episode of that show. You know, but, but, like, I feel like so many of the other episodes, like, you know, the next episode, which with, like, Mother and, like, you know, um, you know, all the characters calling her mom not Faye, but like the, the villain of the week yeah. and like, you know, the monkey virus and all that stuff. It's just like, that's way out there. You know, you have the data dog and all that in the previous episode. Um, you know, and even in the episode five, which is just a fucking banger. Yeah. They, they gave you less stuff to attach to in the third one. And they did the rest of them. Yeah. So, and I mean, like this one is more about just them trying to get a hold of like, you know, a poker chip. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like this fun thing. Like, you get to see a space station casino, which I thought was kind of cool. Like, I think anytime you get to see stuff like that in sci fi, like, again, I'm not the biggest sci fi guy. So, you know, when you see something like for me, that at least piques my interest, which is like space station casino. I'm like, yeah, I'm into this. I'll watch it. Uh, I think it just goes super over the top with like, we've got to kill them all. And they're just firing all these rockets at the end of the episode. Um, I, I think the confrontation de- though, with uh spike uh, when he's, when he's in space, um, like kind of like doing that standoff. I thought that was cool. It, I, it, it's not specifically Gordon. It's one of Gordon's goons, but they're like uh spike is like in like a space suit and kind of like doing a trade-off thing. Oh, on the top of the ship. Yeah. 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 yeah I, th- I thought yeah. that was cool because again, that's not something I've really seen before. in even like movies or film really a, a space stand, a space standoff. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. No, I've yet to see that as well. Yeah. That's a good point. So there are some cool visuals in the show, but yeah, this is definitely more, this episode is more of just us getting to know Faye us uh maybe not necessarily trusting her and then yeah Faye, Faye, she gets away um and i think we can talk about gateway shuffle where where Faye is stranded out in space uh again she you know it's a one step forward two steps back for Faye. yeah honestly i, I was surprised to see her at the start of the episode again like when everybody kind of just disappears at the end of the other two i didn't expect to see her so she's actually really yeah she's a fun character and we get Mama, and uh, I, I refer to them as her weird man children, and they're called the Ganymede Sea Rats. Yeah, they, which is basically they're like a Greenpeace knockoff. Where I had this like moment where I was just like, "Wait, <laughs> do the creators of the show really hate Greenpeace? Like, is that uh, is this what we're getting after? Which is like, look at these psychos, you know, trying to do stuff, but." Uh, to protect the environment but i guess we're at a point where like you know we're people are like mall you know in all different parts of the solar system i mean gaddy is a moon of jupiter so i assume that's the government they're talking to 
is that like Moon's government that I, Ganymede has been colonized. Oh, I got their name wrong. I thought they were called the Ganymede Space Rats. Uh, they're called the Space Warriors. And uh, mom's mom's name is Twinkle Maria Murdoch. Yeah, that's one of that's a Hall of Fame name right there. That's a Hall of Fame name. Yeah, that's a great. That's it's not as good as our uh, Robert E.O. Speedwagon, but it's close. Twinkle yeah. Maria Murdoch. Just say that. It's uh, yeah. That's, that's a name. Twinkle Marie Murdoch. It's also especially for someone who's so kind of vile and evil where it's like, I also wasn't, cause she's basically like runs this cult. And like, there's a moment there where I was like, Oh, it's kind of, this is an interesting idea of like, you know, she's, you know, doing space robberies with her kids as henchmen. But then it was like, became pretty clear that like, Oh, they, she's an eco terrorist, which was a surprise. Um, but that like these people are not actually her kids. They, they just call her mother. Which I guess yeah. is better than like, because there's so many cults in fiction where it's like father this, father that. Uh, I like the kind of the gender flip on it and seeing a bunch of like guys be like, mother, I need to make sure mother's safe. Yeah, mother. She kind of reminded me of like a mixture of like Cruella DeVille and uh, um, the the crazy, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Coraline, but the kind of the creepy mom from that, like a mixture. Oh, yeah. That. That's actually a perfect way to describe her. Like, yeah, okay, she I just totally the, see that. Yeah, like the facial expressions, like the not blinking, like she just kind of had the same slender build, you know? She kind of, she creeped me out a bit. Also, like early on in this episode, our introduction to, to Twinkle Maria Murdoch is the fact that we, um, Spike and Jet, they're looking for this bounty, and it's this guy named Morgan who's also um, had facial reconstruction surgery. And so, you know, you kind of are tricked into expecting, okay, it's going to be about them trying to get this bounty. And then, nope, uh, Murdoch kills him immediately. Yeah, that was a crazy start. I Actually, I, this was one of, one of my more, you know, favorite episodes of the five that we watched. This one, this one got me going. Just the, the massacre at the start, that was pretty, that was pretty fun. Yeah. You know, they're they're already playing around with your expectations because, of course, you know, you're like, oh, every episode they're, they're going to find, you know, the big shot uh, bounty. And it's like, nope, the big shot bounty is dead within 30 seconds. Yeah, no, that was really cool. Yeah. Though no, that was also kind of wild where I was just like, oh, I didn't expect such an intense, like, moment to happen right off the bat. Uh, although I was expecting an intense moment. Yeah. Uh, I think was- the thing that was out there was just like, oh, that they had this thing, this virus, bioweapon. That would like turn humans into apes. Yeah. yeah. Was, was it was it just me or did that moment like did it just get all of a sudden like way more violent in the first three episodes? It's very violent. I mean, I yeah. think there's I think the first episode is also pretty violent with, you know, the gunfight and, you know, obviously how it ends. But, oh, with uh, the gunfight and everything. But I'm talking about just like the shooting, the blood, the bodies. Oh, yeah. Like, I was like all of a sudden it just flipped a switch and it was like, wow, I can see where you get the Tarantino from right there. Like that was the. uh that's the thing about the show too. Like I've watched it twice, like at least twice, maybe even three times before I, I watched it for the podcast, but I forgot how much blood is in the show. For whatever reason, I, I just didn't remember any blood. I was very surprised. Yeah. There's a, there's quite a bit of it. It's not like it's like full on gory every single episode, but when it happens, you're like, Oh shit. Yeah, no, exactly. Like it's, I mean, I'm not a, I'm a fan of gore. I'm a big horror movie guy. So, like, it doesn't really bother me when that happens. Uh, like, I think it's I wouldn't say it bothers me, but it does, it does catch me off guard for sure when I see it. Because the show's tone is so fun anyways. Yeah, I think it's, like, a, it's a nice, like, 
like creating of tension or breaking of tension with like they use Gord in the right moments. It's not too gory. It's like it's also not where one where you're just like, wow, they're really going out of their way to like make sure there's no gore whatsoever. Like I just like that they use the moments of gore in like very specific ways where you're just like, oh shit, like I forgot that this show does this. Like you're just like kind of lulled into like a bit of like a you know fake insecurity and then boom right away. Or not right away, but like it'll just happen. So, so this uh, virus that uh, the eco terrorists, the space warriors, um, have on them is called monkey business. It turns people into monkeys, and um, the Bebop crew eventually they they're able to like have uh, Mur- Twinkle Maria Murdoch in their grasp, and Spike is just uh, in the background, just very blatantly like just like trying to like get like the virus uh, unleashed. Not unleashed, but he's like trying to like open it or something. And I found that to be very humorous. Yeah, he didn't know that, right? Like he didn't know it was a monkey. He didn't know that, but even then, yeah. I'm like, Spike, come on! Like that that thing doesn't look uh, safe. I was I was getting pretty worried there. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a twist right there. Just on the oh, the fourth just, episode, everybody turns to monkeys, and it's just over. You know, there, there's another show where where something similar does kind of happen in the Watanabe show, not with monkeys, but um. We might be covering it pretty soon. Oh God, that's, oh, no. that's crazy. He, he, <laughs> it's a more comedy focused show. I've I've already kind of low key low key spoiled what we might be doing soon. Um. Anyways, yeah, Spike is uh, pretty blatant. He ends up like just kind of breaking the container, uh, and you get worried there. But uh, thankfully, there is a payoff to it. I love the big climax with like all the rockets. I mean, like I was legit getting worried about like how like. Spike and Faye would get out of that situation. I don't know about you, because there's a lot th- of fucking rockets. Yeah, I actually thought they were going to kill Faye off. That's oh really? I eh? Yeah, I thought maybe be like, oh, that'd be a a cool way. Because again, I don't. I other than Spike, yeah, you know. Jet, and the Corgi, I didn't think anybody else was going to be a like a mainstay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I, I think I had a moment like that too. With uh, thinking about what you said tie which was like i was like oh yeah like i wish shows would do that more where there's like certain characters that are like great they just only appear in one episode of show and sometimes you're like i want to see them more but it's like you don't have to have them in too many episodes and i thought oh maybe that's what they're gonna do with Faye, but like also kind of like you know putting together like oh she's gonna be the third member of the team it was like oh yeah there's like because there's like an element with like spike especially where it's like he's gonna survive I mean, that's like almost all protagonists in these kinds of shows. Uh, yeah. Where it's like, so you're just like, oh, yeah, this tension's not fully there. But because especially in a procedural like this, which is fun, like, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, this one, it was, I mean, I like the whole like hyperspace and like the, you know, the getting me governments trying to like, was it use missiles to trap them in hyperspace? I wasn't fully sure what what the science behind it was but it was fun to look at mm-hmm. yeah seeing the missiles and like a, a, their matter was in the what their matter was in a different realm so you could see it but it doesn't affect the matter that's in this realm is that that correct or am i just kind of talking nonsense right now i just think i mean it really cool I mean, yeah. it could be you could be right. I mean, the more I've the real thing that I've realized with this podcast is the more I try to think about what we're doing uh, too <laughs> much, 
uh, the more mad I become and I lose my mind and I go on anti uh, Lord of the Rings tirades that From, don't make yeah, any listen, sense. The can't rule, rule of cool is definitely a rule that's on a lot of these shows. Sometimes you just need things to look cool. Very true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, that's, put, you, you put down your sunglasses, wear sunglasses at night. The rule of cool is here to stay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I found, I found that whole missile sequence very awesome. And of course, um, t- Twinkle Maria Murdoch, uh, she gets her just desserts because it turns out Spike had slipped her the, uh, the monkey business virus into her pocket. And uh, she, is, she is, according to the Cowboy Bebop wiki, deceased. She does not make it out of there. See that that makes me think that Spike knew what it was. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So he was just he was just fucking around with the the vial the whole time, knowing exactly what it was to see what would happen. I don't know. That seems crazy to me. I don't want to turn him. I think but... he's. I I don't know why he was being so reckless with just like breaking the container, but you know, I think he knew it 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 was no good, which is why he slipped it to her. And again, you know. Spike is a sneaky guy. Fair enough. Yeah, he is good at his job. Sneaky Spike. Um, I think. Any more thoughts on this episode, or can we move on to to the real banger of the the bunch? I feel. Well, this is interesting because you you think episode five was the real banger in your mind. I and thought you're... episode four was my favorite. I oh, okay. That. Like this one was really enjoyable. I don't know. I just like this is the episode for me where I was like, okay, like okay, now I get what I'm starting to get what the show is. And I'm and I'm enjoying it more. Like I was like, okay, so there's going to be like the, a lot of this kind of crazy stuff. But I think with episode five, it seems like it starts setting up some more bigger story moments. If I'm not mistaken, like it seemed like it's where you start getting a bit of you know Spike's backstory because at least in episode the episodes before this, it's just sort of like Spike and Jet are two bounty hunters living on this spaceship and they're going around you know, doing bounties and like each week it's a different bounty. <laughs> oh, oh, and now they have their new partner, Faye. Uh, and now this time it's like, oh, like what was Spike doing before? Uh, well, we're going to find out more. Yeah. And I think that's really why I wanted to push getting this episode into this bunch and why, you know, we're, all, we're also doing bunches of five with this show just for the sake of it, for the sake of, you know, time. We don't, as much as we love Cowboy Bebop, I'm not sure we want to spend 10 weeks on it, especially when, you know, if we want to spend ten weeks on Cowboy Bebop, we can always milk the live action show. Um, so I'm going to be honest. Based on uh, Netflix's track record, I, uh, I'm not I'm not game for that. <laughs> well, we'll we'll watch the pilot and see how we feel. Who knows? Maybe we might be surprised. Maybe anime live action anime adaptations become the new superhero show. There's That'd there's be- only been like in the last like two years, I want to say like three scripted netflix shows where i'm actually like been like this has been pretty good like of the rest have just been garbage <laughs> I, guess so. I guess there's what the queen's gambit that's the only yeah one. It's like queen... show is the queen's gambit even good anymore or is or is it it's not great i would say it's a fine show that you forget after a week yeah it's a um, movie it's, a, it's just an extended it's a movie, movie. And then it's you've got for me, I really love sex education. I think that show. Oh yeah, you saw that oh, yeah. sex education is phenomenal. Like that show is just like the best, and one of the directors yeah. from that is uh, directed the Loki episodes. So oh, okay, oh, uh, that's Kate where they discovered her. Yeah, Kate Heron started on Sex Education, um, and uh, I'm trying to think of. There's like, you know, one oh, and like BoJack Horseman was the well, other. That, one. that show got canceled a million years ago. That show was really good, though. I loved it. 
But oh. well, no, it just ended like like a year and a half ago. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that um, you know, I think like just with Netflix's track record of live action shows, it's just it hasn't been where it started. It started really high with like House of Cards, um, and it's now you know dissolved into like one season shows where it's like Jupiter's Legacy is canceled within a week of it being released. Yeah. I never watched it, and I never will. <laughs> um, but yeah, episode five, in my opinion, it's it's the most plot heavy. It's the one where you kind of kind of see what's going on with Spike actually, and we also get introduced to. Uh, I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say Vicious is the main villain of the show. I think that's a fair. Is, does that even come across as a spoiler to you guys, based on what you saw? No, not at all. That was uh, yeah, pretty, pretty blatant. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Vicious- it seemed pretty obvious. Yeah. This just gets quite the introduction. So we we see this uh, kind of alliance uh, between these two uh, crime boss families, um, one of whom is a guy named Mao, who who we don't get named until later when uh, Spike is talking to someone. But yeah, Mao and this other guy are signing this alliance. It sounds like peace is going to happen, and, and Mao even says, thank God I can finally relax. Uh, only for his uh, buddy's ship to blow up, or not? Well, the guy who he just formed an alliance with that ship blows up, and then Mao gets uh, uh, taken from our buddy Vicious. V- yeah. Vicious, Vicious has a very extra design. He has like, is, what's the bird that's like on him? Is it like a raven or a crow or? What, I thought what? It, I thought it was a pterodactyl when I saw it, <laughs> like like a mini one or something. Like it was, it looked pretty crazy. But yeah, I guess it must be a. a crow or something i don't think they yeah, have ter- i'm gonna, I'm gonna oh. it's not a pterodactyl there's not dinosaurs <laughs> in cowboy bebop although there should have been i think that would have made the show even better dinosaurs always make things better it's that's a fact yeah um did, i actually so like what malcolm was saying like episode four was really good episode four actually got me more into the show i really liked episode four but episode five actually i was like wow this show could be pretty special again i knew nothing about it but that then that last episode got me, but episode four was really good. So I thought like after episode three, I was like, Oh man, I don't, I don't know if these next two episodes are going to be worth watching. And then four was good. And then five to me was really good. It reminded me of like devil may cry Castlevania kind of type vibes. If that I totally feel sense. that. I totally yeah. feel that. Um, but no, especially it was really cool. The, especially with a cathedral at the end. Yeah, very yeah, very devil make yeah, it was it, it was really cool. I thought yeah, Vicious gonna turn into a, a vampire or something, <laughs> who knows, but really cool. Yeah, vampire vibes. Like I was getting like, oh my god, is there gonna be vampires in this show? Um like Dio level vampires? No, uh, uh there's, there's there's no vampires in this show. Spoiler alert, there are no vampires. But, <laughs> Thank but God. Vicious, I don't think the show needs that, but Vicious, he definitely uh dresses pretty extra. Yeah, yeah. Vicious feels like a guy who wouldn't be upset if he was turned into a vampire. I mean, his yeah. name's his name's Vicious, right? So, like, that's that alone. Like, that's the most vampire name I think you could have, other than Fang or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My name's Fang. I'm looking for a vampire to bite me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. I feel like Pretty at that point, vampires would be like, he wants it a little too much, so I'm just gonna push him away. I think yeah, he's a no. lot to deal with. That'd I mean, be a good show of va- selective vampires. Yeah, I feel I like mean, that's what we what we do in the shadows is all about. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess yeah, I guess it kind of is. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, uh, v- Vicious is not the nicest band, but you know what? He he does kill some uh, Syndicate members, and you know what? I'm going to just straight up say I don't think the Syndicate members were, were pretty nice either, so... You know, you know what, Vicious, I'll, I'll give you those kills. <laughs> yeah, like the guys you blew up and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and the guys you blew up. I'm like, you know what, you know, you're, you're you know, I'm not going to defend the defend those guys. I'm not going to cry about them dying. Okay, so I yeah, so I about this episode. So Vicious is he part of these crime syndicates? Is he like a guy that's like, like obviously Vicious and Spike know each other from a previous. Yeah life and whatever they were both part of this but like is it obviously in the later episodes it kind of tells you what more about vicious is what i'm assuming yeah exactly you know he recurs throughout the show and you know you could you could probably guess you know he, he obviously appears in the final episodes of course so you get i don't want to give away too much for the listeners who are going to be yeah. following along with us yeah of course but, you know what what we can say and what's implied in the show is obviously him and spike have had a past something happened between them you know three years prior we get that extended flashback sequence um, at the end after his, him and Spike's shootout. Uh, we're already kind of jumping ahead, but like even just like when you see in this kind of flashback montage where you just see like Spike and Vicious just like smiling briefly, you know, they're kind of back to back and smiling while they're, you know, doing crime shit. You do kind of see that, okay, Vicious was like a person at some point, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and Faye, once again, Faye, Faye does not do well in these episodes. She gets captured every single appearance so far. You know what? Faye, Faye's track record in these ones is uh, kind of shitty. Yeah, so, okay, this confused me. How how did Faye get captured? Like, she's, what? She, her, her plan doesn't even really make sense. I guess she's just, like, looking for Spike because Spike is fucked off. And then yeah, but just, didn't didn't something happen in like the whatever like the intercom like came up and she was like oh like that's a good idea and then she like let and then she gets captured by obviously Mao's dead because he had his you know his yeah. neck neck slit open right in, right there but um like I, it just didn't make any sense to me I just don't understand what Faye was doing to even be in that situation in the first place. Mm. So that that confused me a little bit, but I like I said, I really liked the episode, anyways. But that's just the one thing that I just kind of had little question marks over top of it. It kind of felt like they didn't have an idea of what to do with Faye in this episode, so they just kind of threw her in to do something, and it just like yeah, like I said, it's a weird like oh is she like incompetent, which kind of sucks because you don't you know you're like she's clearly a competent character, so it's just like why is why are they doing this? I can tell yeah. you they had one idea in the show of what to do with Faye in this episode. Uh, it was to put her in a very skimpy outfit where her, her the breasts are just jiggling in the cathedral. Like I'm, yeah. I was observing. I was just like, I, oh man. <laughs> it's well, it's it's kind of hard not to like literally yeah. every step. It's like whoa, like there is that was that supposed to be on purpose kind of thing. But it's like they kind of just like digressed her into something that was completely different from her character in the last four episodes. You know what I mean? She was like some damsel in distress kind of like, you know, in a tower kind of vibe, but. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. I don't think she gets treated well, especially in this episode. There's thankfully other episodes I really like that are among my favorite in the series where we get more into her backstory, but yeah, she's very much a damsel and you know, her, her, even her involvement in it, uh, it's just kind of nonsensical of just how she gets captured. And, you know, I guess they just need to give Spike a reason to, to find where uh, Vicious is. Yeah. Well, it, it's again, like it's this is one of those episodes where it's like, you know, 
it's setting up for stuff that's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like episode three, in which they're like, sure, there's a lot of op, you know really interesting set pieces. There's that you know being in that church, like about that church shootout was really good, very visually stimulating. But um, but yeah, but also at the same time, it's like nothing gets fully resolved like in like episodes four, two, or one, because obviously you know vicious has got to return because vicious is has more story ahead of him uh, also um, i kind of love the joke at the very end of the episode where like you know you've got spike and he's all bandaged up and like uh what was it Faye? like does Faye like hit her or hit him or something yeah like, well, she's she, like i'm deciding to stay and she just like me and spike's like ah just i don't know why it was so funny to see the visual of him kind of in pain like fully wrapped up like a mummy just like, so I space, like I'm sticking around. <laughs> so Spike is, you know, going through this like montage of memories kind of, and he's like hearing the song in his head and it turns out Faye is also humming it. And he, he tells her she is off key. And then oh, that's it. right. Yeah. I, I will, I will say this though. Like I said, the episode was probably one of the cooler anime episodes I've ever seen, even like in some movies and stuff like that. But I felt like I understand he was going like back in the past and, you know, memories and stuff like that. But I felt like he fell out of the window for almost like half the episode. Oh yeah, for sure. That, that montage goes on long. Yeah. And I I was like, is he going to hit? Like what's going to happen? Then it would cut to a, you know, another flashback and he's like, Oh, he's falling again. Like it seemed like it went on a long time, but it was pretty cool. Zack Snyder saw that and he's like, I'm going to do that in Watchmen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. Zack Snyder. I mean, I mean like, Watchmen does do ha- like in the comic they do have the. Like, I know that, people, but like, but I mean, he's really milking it. Like you he's said. milking it. Mal- Zack Snyder watched the show and he's like, "How can I do this for yeah. every single scene?" <laughs> he's like, uh, "See, that's what that's what I think." Like, like I said, like he he seems to be such like this powerful character and so strong and can beat everybody up that's what i expected from the get-go like all the bloody like you know mm. being able to do whatever he wants kind of thing and then the the fight with vicious at the end was was uh was really cool and then through the glass and stuff like that um yeah i i, I liked it like i said episode five was probably my favorite like i said four got me there and five kind of put me on i was like wow this is a pretty good show so there, there's uh, some of the dialogue. I've got to read you some of the quotes. Uh, Vicious asks Spike. He says, uh, "When angels are forced out of heaven, they become devils." You agree, don't you, Spike? Spike responds, "I'm just watching a bad dream. I never wake up from." And then Vicious says, "I'll wake you up right now." Uh, the di- the dialogue between them is just full on uh, badass. I feel. Yeah, so they're they're not like brothers or anything. They've just no, they're been not like related. Yeah. They're, okay. they're they've been in the syndicate together for years yeah. and stuff. And then you know, I, I'm trying to reveal as much as I can, as much as can be implied. Yeah, yeah, no, fair, fair, yeah. Um, so I'm being delicate said, about hmm. this. Yeah, but again, again, I, I mean, you can you can probably reveal it. I'm probably the only one. Uh, well, who, no, who, even for but for the listeners who are you know going to follow us on this, I mean, I mean, I mean, Malcolm, what did you pick up from these flashbacks? I guess that's what I should ask of you. Um, I could summarize. I think I could summarize yeah, it basically. Yeah, so I obviously, like, again, it's hard. It's kind of feels like that opening montage of like the first episode. Yeah, where I was just like, I don't know what I'm necessarily processing. I know it's going to be important later. Like it's going to tie in later. Like this is definitely a serialized ex- experience. Um, but it's also like what's interesting about how you're like dodging, like being going into specifics about all this 
is that it's like, oh, the good thing is, is like a lot of my unanswered questions are going to get answered. For sure. And this is a show where you watch it a second time and you know exactly what they're uh, doing. There was one flashback. And again, I don't know if you can answer this. I'm just yeah. more curious than anything. So, to, I mean, does their fallout have anything to do with that blonde chick that was in there? Because, you know, like like the Native American man said, uh, you take women too lightly. Yeah, so that's what, like, uh, no, I'm just spitballing here. I have no idea. So, obviously, something between Vicious and Spike and Vicious slept with his wife or girlfriend or something like that. And then, like, I don't know, and they had the fallout or I'm not sure. But that's There's, just. There, there is payoff to that and resolution to that. And, yeah, I think that goes okay. without saying. I think that's fair to say. And, yeah, that's what if that's what you picked up on, I think that's a fair assessment that our listener has picked up on, too. So. Yeah, I think that's where we can end that off. I mean, yeah, this is a fun episode. Um, you know, again, I, I think now that we're just discussing it, the treatment of Faye in this one does kind of suck. Um, but, you know, she, you know. I like the action, man. I like the action. I love the song that plays uh, when when we see, when we, uh, see the cathedral. That song is called Rain. And I think it's like one of our, it's our first like vocal track within an episode that isn't like the intro or outro. I think that's our first vocal track. Yeah, no, it was a cool song. That that whole scene was was really cool. Yeah, and I mean, I, again, the the sound the soundtrack was able to get out uh, seven albums. Uh, anytime uh, in the seven, show, geez. seven albums. Go check out Cowboy Bebop soundtrack on Spotify, guys. You'll be you'll be in for a good treat. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, and the vocal tracks are like fantastic. Like again, obviously the regular music is good, but you know they save the vocal stuff for big moments like this. And Rain, the song Rain, is definitely one of them. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, are we ready to go to final thoughts? I think we've kind of talked in, is there, are there any other things from this episode, uh, Malcolm or Ty, that stuck out to you? Not for uh, me. I feel like you covered kind of everything. This show's been like a lot to process. Um, so yeah, for me, I'm feeling, yeah, feeling pretty good. What about you, Ty? Yeah, no, de- definitely a lot to process. Um, I actually, uh, I actually really enjoyed it. So I actually might start watching a couple more and see what actually happens. Yeah. Which I'm actually very surprised about. Cause I didn't think I would like an anime series like this, but I mean, if there's more anime series like this, I might as well see what's going on and, and watch it's, them. But. It's almost as if we have a podcast that goes into that. I know it's weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> as if there's a podcast. that's all about like, is this safe for noobs? Uh, yeah. Is this anime almost? Actually, wait, Malcolm, should we do Speedwagon before final, final thoughts? Yeah, I guess we'll do our Speedwagon. All right. Speedwagon, 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 Speedwagon. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. Uh, so I guess it's time for our favorite segment uh, for those just joining in. I think there might be a lot of you just joining in because Cowboy Bebop is a pretty popular starter anime. Uh, the Speedwagon Award is uh, named after the great Robert E.O. Speedwagon from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And yeah, he is uh, our, the Speedwagon of Is This Anime is our favorite supporting character. Uh, it can be pretty much anyone but Spike, I, could, I think it's fair to say. So... Um, I think I'll go first. I'll let Ty, of course, you know, take some time to think of his speed wagon. My speed wagon, I thought we're, we're going to be punching Judy, but then Twinkle Maria Murdoch 
is a fucking speed wagon just by her name alone. I don't have anything more to say. Twinkle Maria Murdoch fits the definition of a speed wagon to a T. She's a, she's a weird, ugly lady who um, has a bunch of man children by her side. And, you know, I guess she's got some passion about ecology, but mostly she just has a really fucking funny name. And I think that makes her a pretty darn good speed wagon. Malcolm, what's your, who's your speed wagon? Uh, yeah, so my speed wagon uh, this week is it's going to be the pet shop lady. Uh, I feel like she was just like the fact that she's like a Joker uh, mother character uh, just from design. I don't know. She was just like I was so struck by her look uh, and the fact that she was just like, you know, dissing a corgi <laughs> so openly that like maybe she's not my like absolute favorite, but she was so distinct. And like there's no other character who was like as kind of oddly, I guess, like designed as her because like there's a like other characters that with distinct looks like Abdul Hakim, you know, which who was like a kind of a, you know, in the running I don't know why, but I really love that scene where he's like in the water and there's the two boys fishing and then the fishing line gets caught in his hair. Uh, and, you know, he just like walks out like out of the water, like Terminator, as if he doesn't need to breathe. Uh, but yeah, I know. I think it's the pet shop lady. I thought she was just like super funny and like her being like, oh, no, pets are escaping. Uh, she kind of got her comeuppance at the end. So, yeah, her. OK, so my speed wagon or speed wagons. I mean, I, I like the Akeem character. I thought he was pretty funny. And, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the reference to Bruce Lee and all that stuff. I thought that was really cool. Loved the Corgi. I thought the Corgi was the or the data dog. And uh, I actually loved those those old men that were talking about what they did in the past. And they're like, oh, yeah, I was there, too. And, you know, all that stuff. So I have those three as my uh, my speed wagons. I should mention, I'm glad you mentioned the old men because I forgot to mention that they do reappear in the third episode briefly. See, there you go. There, there. It's it's meant to be, and I think those guys were just a hilarious little addition to the to the series. Yeah, Spike even uh, helps them get a jackpot or something. Yeah, I think that's what was going on in the scene. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like they they have like a brief interaction with Spike, and they they seem to be happy with their winnings. See, there you go. Yeah, that's that's those are my speedways. Yeah. It's good to know they're doing okay. They seem like nice guys. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, final thoughts on Cowboy Bebop. I mean, um. I'll go first. This is my favorite anime of all time. I th- I've been very excited to watch the show. Uh, I mean, we've we've got more shows where we're going to cover in full detail because they deserve it, um, and we've got other stuff to come. But yeah, I, I it's interesting rewatching the show. Like I say, I've rewatched it enough times that I wasn't entirely surprised per se. Um, but even then, just like seeing the blood and stuff uh, was kind of interesting on how much it shocked me. Uh, you know. I, I definitely remembered the moments of Faye in the dress because because what can I say? You know the the animators did a really nice job in uh, episode five with that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is the episode with with Faye in the dress. So you know, so there were some animators who were having a really good time. They were like, yeah, I get this scene to do. <laughs> but yeah, the the show is great. Uh, episode five, of course, you know, I have more context with it based on what I've seen in it, uh, and you know, the foreshadowing is really interesting. So. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Malcolm? Uh, I mean, I guess they call this a classic for a reason. Uh, I, you know, I was surprised by kind of how much I liked it. It's just, it's a lot to take in. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's a lot. A lot was happening. I, you know, I was kind of getting my footing in this uh, batch of episodes. 
was uh, interesting. Like it's, you know, I'm kind of interested to see how this goes forward. Like we're doing, you know, this is obviously the second mini series of the show of the podcast, you know, after doing the Dragon Ball run. Uh, but for the first time, we'll like complete a series, uh, which is nice because so many anime shows, from what I've gathered from this podcast, you know, do run long and maybe we, are a little. We are over. not doing one. <laughs> we are not going to do One Piece. You know, and maybe just like are always added. Um, it's hard for me to like do final thoughts on something that I haven't like fully seen yet. So I think for this batch, like it's it's you know. I thought the episodes were very strong. Um, and again, I'm curious what they do. I think if I was to order it, I think episode four for me was my favorite of the batch. Uh, I just, I don't know. I just connected to that sensibility the most. Obviously episode five sort of, sort of starts setting up things that I'm interested in, re, you know, not necessarily, I guess I'm interested in learning more about uh, when we cover it in two weeks. Um, good question. I, I'd have nothing to relate it to. So this is my very first anime series other than obviously, you know, Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I actually really enjoyed it. The, uh, the first episode, like I said, I didn't really understand what was going on with the, uh, the eye stuff and, you know, obviously taking drugs in your eye is very, very serious as you can see. Um, but every episode to me, with the exception of episode three, like episode three was still good, but every other episode, one, two, four, and five, it just got better for me. Um, so I'm actually, you know, going to watch the rest and actually, I would like to see what happens to Spike and Jet and Faye and, and Data Dog. And you know what? I, I enjoyed it. So thank you for, uh, for letting me watch it. That was a lot of fun. All right. And I think it's finally time for me to announce, uh, the next show that we're going to cover next week, it will not be Bebop. We'll return to Bebop in two weeks with episodes um, six through ten. And the show we're going to cover, I changed my mind so many times, not even Malcolm knows. We're going to do another Shinichiro Watanabe show. It's called Space Dandy because I've been playing this for a while. Uh, we're going to cover episodes one, four, seventeen, and twenty. So, so just four episodes, just so me and Malcolm can kind of chill a bit. Um, but they are very, very wacky. Uh, Space Dandy. Uh, Space Dandy is a wacky show. Um, we, we've we've covered a number of Watanabe shows, but I think these episodes we're going to watch are among the wackiest. Uh, I, I deliberately picked some pretty out there ones, so that's going to be really fun. And yeah, I'm glad Ty that you enjoyed the show. Um, Malcolm obviously is going to continue across our journey. Maybe Ty will even uh, return uh, if you are going to continue watching the show. You know, we definitely want some you know guests to come back and you know. Maybe we even do a big crossover episode with some other people who watch it. And, uh, I, I, yeah, there's even a movie to cover. So we've got six weeks of Bebop that we need to fill. Yeah, if you guys ever need somebody, I had a lot of fun. So you guys let me know. Yeah. All right. Uh, plugs. Uh, do you, uh, Ty, you do have uh, Pop Beans, which is uh, your Instagram thing. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, I, I, yeah, sure. I mean, it's not a lot to talk about. I have an Instagram account called pot beans where I review movies and TV shows and stuff like that. It just started out kind of, you know, my friends looking for stuff to watch and then it just kind of blew up a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just stuff I really enjoy. I enjoy sitting down watching a good movie or TV show, Lord of the Rings, obviously. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's pot beans on, on, uh, Instagram. 
Yeah, I'm always, I'm always, I'm always commenting on it because you know me. I love sharing my opinions about movies and shit. Oh, so. and I, I love it. I need it. I need all of it. So. You need, you need it. That's good. That's yeah. good, man. I'm glad. And yeah, that's why I even wanted to bring you on because you know it sounds like you kind of want maybe want to get into the podcast game at some point. I don't know. I was like, yeah, I want to give a, you know, Ty, you know, see if Ty, you know, wants to do this more often because it is, it's fucking fun. You know, we're we're not. We're not Tim Dillon or um, whoever else is on Patreon. We're not getting Joe Rogan money. We're we're not getting yeah. The, <laughs> yeah we're, we're not getting, getting the, the biggest yeah the biggest podcast deal to ever exist. We're not even getting like a small big podcast deal. Like if Amazon wants to give us a million dollars, you know, you know, just give us a million dollars. You know, so Jack, Amazon. yeah, that five hundred thousand dollar check you just wrote me is not gonna not yeah gonna exactly work out man. Then. Like, yeah. come on. An- anime it's is going to bounce because he thinks Amazon's in the podcast game. And not yeah. Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man. We got to wait. Amazon... Amazon's going to do it. I, I mean, maybe I think, they, they need to do something I... with Amazon Music. We're on no, Amazon I think Am- Music, by I the way. I think Amazon is in the podcast game now. I'm pretty sure they are. They're well, they in do... everything. They're in yeah. Everything. Well, they have, um, they do all the audiobooks. Yeah. I need to get into audiobooks. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> audiobooks is a hard thing to do. That's why I've never taken an audiobook class. That's why you got to take a class then. I know, but it's just like so. It's like twenty hours, man. Fuck, man. That's like you know. That's that's why people like to do commercial work for voiceover because it's fucking thirty seconds and you get paid, you know, sixty G's. Yeah, that's nice. That's that's nice. nice. Going to a booth, you know. Uh, but hey, sorry, Jack. Jack, Malcolm. I, I just wanna. I just wanna to thank you guys again for having me on. That was a lot of fun. I actually uh, didn't know what to expect. Never watched anime, so that was. I had a blast. No. So thanks again. No worries. I'm glad you had fun. Yeah, yeah we we got to finish our plugs before we uh, officially let you go. Yeah, uh, absolutely. we're getting just dis- yeah we're getting just dis- uh, distracted. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, so you can find me at Malcolm R J McLeod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Jack, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at um, only real Jack M, and then on Instagram at Jack is Jack. Um, I mostly just like things. I'm not, I haven't been getting into a lot of Twitter fights. I remember early on in this podcast, I would mention all my Twitter fights, but I'm a less of an angry person now, it seems. So yeah. that's good. So, good. and then, uh, if, yeah, if, uh, if, if you want to follow us on more social media, uh, we're at is this anime pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can always find all of our, uh, you know, social media handles in the show notes below, uh, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, uh, you name it, we're on it. Yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you have a chance, uh, please uh, give us some stars, maybe give us some five stars, um, you know, rate and review, share this with your friends and family uh, if you enjoyed this podcast. You know, we're, you know, we're a scrappy little podcast. Uh, you know, we've been doing pretty well, uh, but yeah, word of mouth is always going to help a smaller podcast like us grow. And we really appreciate you taking uh, the time to listen to us. Uh, I think uh, until next time, uh, remember, uh, uh, twinkle, twinkle, little star, uh, Maria Murdoch is now a monkey. Goodbye. Later, Parabums. 